Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I am Brad. I'm Jack Blades. I play bass guitar and I sing the songs of Nyringa. Sing songs that makes the world go right. I write. I sing the songs. I write the songs that make the whole world go right. It's keyboard player. I'm Jeff, the guitar player. I'm Kelly, drums and lead vocal. You're listening to the Growing Up Rock podcast with Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Now, crank it up. Hollywood, we're on to the second month and the second Night Ranger album, and this one brings us to probably their most popular of all their albums, which is Midnight Madness. Are you excited about this one? I think this is a Desert Island record for you, isn't it? Uh, We will see about that, but this has better songs than the prior one, so yes, I am excited about doing the second album. All right, well, I think this album is absolutely awful, so we'll see how we get through uh, this complete album because, uh, yeah, we're going to find out some things. But anyway, as always in the past, we've always got to bring a guest, and this month we have a returning I'll call him Most Valuable Player. He's uh, pretty much with us on these album reviews at least every uh, year. And so we've got none other than State of America's own David Hudson. What's going on, David? Howdy, howdy, guys. Good to be here, as always, even if it's for this album. Yeah, well, I mean, it's no Black Crows album, but, you know. Hell no. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll get through it. Are you a Night Ranger fan, Dave? 
my first real exposure to Night Ranger was two weeks ago. So oh, you got to be kidding me. Other than just like hearing a song or two on the radio, I'll be honest with you, people are about to kill me. I get them and sticks mixed up all the time. Um, <laughs> in my head, they're the same. They're the same band. So they literally sound nothing alike. Nothing alike because I don't like sticks that much. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I mean, I was seven when this came out. So uh, I don't know. In my head, I've just always had. Maybe it's because of uh, what is it? Uh, Jack Blades and Tommy Shaw had damn Yankees, and they have um, Shaw Blades. Shaw or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I, I liked damn Yankees. I thought that was a. I thought that was fun. The text I sent Huddy on November twelfth, okay, of last year. Any interest in reviewing a Night Ranger album with us as part of the twenty twenty four album review series? The albums we have left to choose from are Midnight Madness, Man in Motion. Feeding off the mojo, Neverland, or Seven. And he goes, Midnight Madness. That's all it said. And then he goes, I only know the hits, so it'll be good for me. And you did say thanks. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> I didn't know what I was getting myself into. No, I love doing stuff that I'm not familiar with. So I mean I didn't even I didn't even know that the hits were on this one. I said, Well, this one sounds good. We'll go with it. We got to stop getting these non-fans involved, <laughs> Pony. You got to quit bringing these people that have never heard of the bands that we're reviewing. For God's sakes, Night Ranger and Sticks. All right. So listen, to the first time listener of this podcast, David Hudson, you're the co-host of a podcast called State of America, which is an all Black Crows podcast. Tell us a little bit about that and tell us what's going on over there at State of America currently. Uh, we're about to release... Our 100th proper episode, we've done a bunch of bonus episodes and stuff like that. And so uh, episode 100, um, chugging along, the Crows have a new album coming out, something that I never thought was going to happen again. They've got a tour. From what I understand, this tour is going to be more like a, a tour from back in the day. I think they're, they're obviously done with the Shake Your Moneymaker stuff, which they that was about a year and a half too long. But I got tickets for opening night. We're chugging along. And I will tell everybody, because this is what most of your listeners would be more interested in. So we have recently taken over the R4 podcast. It's myself, Ian, who do State of America. And then we have a producer named Jason Donsis and then our good buddy, Sean Hillman. And uh, in the spirit of Aaron Martell, we're going to keep the format the same. Uh, it's going to be like a rotating cast of characters. The four of us aren't going to be on every one episode. Uh, the Professor Ray Permi is going to come back. Lou's going to come back. Sam's going to come back. And um, I think we've got about 40 or 50 albums in a spreadsheet that we're going to do. A lot of stuff that I think your listeners would really like. I think our first four are going to be the Motley Crue self-titled album, the self-titled Collective Soul album. I know they've already done a Faces album, uh, Long Player. And so uh, we're looking forward to that. There's going to be some Metallica, some Iron Maiden. So some hard stuff, some you know soft stuff, and some alternative stuff. Just kind of like Aaron did it, a little bit of everything. So we're taking over his socials, and we're just very thankful that he trusted us with his baby. That's cool. Yeah. We, uh, Sonny and I both, uh, guested over there at the R4 podcast. And Aaron Martell has been on our show, uh, once or twice, I think, in the past. So, uh, we're friends with Aaron and, uh, wish Aaron all the, all the best on whatever he does next. But, uh, we're happy that friends are taking over friends podcast. That's fantastic. Yeah. So it's going to, it's going to be fun. He's still going to come on once a year. He and I are going to do a Springsteen album in chronological order. Why? Come on now. We're doing Born in the USA this year. Now, you, you know, you like a few of those songs. All right, well, Sonny and I probably <laughs> won't listen to those episodes. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, David, but Sonny and I, we're probably not going to be listening to those episodes. <laughs> 
Man, I've suffered through some of your stuff. I hit play every, <laughs> oh, Sunday, yeah, there you every, there you every Sunday morning when I go for a ride on my bike. I, I listen to you guys, and sometimes I'm I'm yelling at you. Sometimes I'm wanting to throw <laughs> up, and uh, but a lot of times I like it. Uh, most likely, that's your own fault. <laughs> do you ever win in any of the trivia? When you do the trivia, you're like, "What? Where the hell did that come from?" No, no there's no, I, I stand no chance on some of that stuff. You guys go way too deep. And guess what? Uh, spoiler alert, honey. Sonny and I suffer through some of our own episodes. <laughs> now, I, t- I tell you, I love the series where you guys take a year and go through it. And then I love when you find a reason to go through the charts and talk about. So, like, I find that fascinating because there's a lot of stuff in there. I mean, especially from like the mid 80s. I listened to like Prince, Bruce Springsteen, stuff like Born in the USA, stuff like that. I didn't know like some of this obscure stuff that was on the charts and some of it. I'm like, well, I've never heard of that. I'm going to go listen to it. And uh, I I really enjoy that. And, you know, Sonny's funny. There's sometimes I can hear a song and I immediately go, oh, Sonny's going to just, I mean, the drool's going to come out of his mouth over this. (laughs) And then there's songs that he just pulls out of his rear end that he likes. And I'm like, I never in my wildest dreams would thought Sonny would have liked this. I like that. (laughs) Uh, you're talking about when Rock ruled the chart series, right? Yeah, yeah, love that and love the year thing. And then the 200 bands that could have been big or should have oh, been the big. Oh, the 250. Yeah, yeah, God, yeah. There's some horrible stuff on there. Uh, I mean, just <laughs> horrendous. Matter of fact, Chris Craig and I'll text each other. And I'm like, you got to listen to this that they just talked about and, <laughs> and send it over. No, I, I've, I've liked you guys from Jump Street, even if it's uh, like music I'm not interested in. I, I still listen to it. So yeah, you get that one good. download every time. <laughs> that's right that puts us at two you and my uh, mother-in-law yeah. <laughs> all right well so we're getting into night rangers midnight madness this is the second studio album that's released by night ranger this one is what really sort of catapulted them what is your history david hudson with night ranger i think i knew maybe two songs that I would hear all the time on like classic rock radio. I'm more new about them because Jack blades was in damn Yankees and um, the blade Shaw stuff, to be honest with you, I always liked his voice and I knew uh, guitar player, Brad Gillis. He did some stuff with Ozzy at one point. Right. Right. So that's kind of the extent of um, my knowledge of them. And that's one of the reasons I just picked an album from them was, I mean, obviously they still tour and, and do pretty good business and opportunity to listen to something I've never really paid attention to. So I enjoy this. Yeah, so unlike Sonny and myself, you are probably definitely not a deep Night Ranger fan. So this is kind of a little bit different for you. It gives you the opportunity to dig into one of their albums from start to finish and give us your true feelings on the record. You're not an uber fan. Uh, whereas Sonny and I have, have said we're Night Ranger fans from the get-go. We may not love everything they do, but uh, we like a lot of it and have a lot of background Night Ranger experience, uh, knowledge, whatever you want to call it. Sonny, what's your experience with uh, Midnight Madness? Because we already know what your history is with Night Ranger. What about this album in particular? Yeah, I probably didn't get this album until I would say the late 80s. Because I'm coming into Night Ranger like 86, 87. But, you know, Sister Christian was all over MTV like every hour. I'm deep diving all things Night Ranger by the time ladies come around because I'm a Bay Area kid. So, you know, it's kind of like the bands that come from your area. You feel like you're indebted to them, especially if they're the music that you love. And they, and I got to see them live a lot because they were playing everywhere. 
And like I've said before, to me, there's three sides of Night Ranger. There's the rocker side, there's the ballad side, and there's the movie soundtrack side. And every album has all three sides, and this one does too. Yeah. So for me, Midnight Madness, as I said on the debut episode with the uh, Dawn Patrol album, I've been there from the beginning. I've been a fan of Night Ranger since album one. This was the second album. I got it when it came out. This album, because of the success they had on this album, also gave me the first opportunity to see the band live. So I had the opportunity to see the band on their first headlining tour for this album because they had success with this record. Uh, So that's my experience or my history with the Midnight Madness album in particular. David Hudson, have you ever seen Night Ranger live or no? No, never seen him live. Please make sure you hit that follow button to subscribe to Growing Up Rock Podcast so you don't miss an episode. All right, so let's get into some basic facts about this album. Midnight Madness was released in October of 83. The record was also recorded in 1983. It was recorded at Studio Image Recording in Los Angeles. The length of the album is 38 minutes, 56 seconds. The label was MCA, as we pointed out in the last episode. This is where bands go to die. (laughs) <laughs> producer Pat Glaser or Glasser, he was the producer on the first album as well. This album did sell a million copies, so it is certified platinum. It peaked at number 15 on the Billboard Hot 200 album charts. The singles from this album were You Can Still Rock in America, which was released in November of 83, Sister Christian, which was released in March of 84, and When You Close Your Eyes, which was released in July of 1984. So those were the three singles that were off of this record. The album cover features the band and the logo. Your thoughts on this album cover, Sonny Pooney? All right, so I've got my original album here. I like the red logo. I don't like the font on how Midnight Madness is written because you can't really tell. It's almost kind of lost in the color a little bit. Mm-hmm. I never understood why Fitz was in a surgery outfit. I don't, I don't get that. I love the necklace Jack's wearing because it's got the Night Ranger logo. And then I don't know if you caught everything that's on this thing. So we got a football player that's at Jack's wrist. We got a cheerleader at his elbow. We got a guy with a sword over his shoulder a mountain climber in the window, the Arabian Knight, the hooker, a magician in a bow tie like this. It looks like a, maybe a well, that he's maybe a wealthy dude, but on the back, you find out he's a musician. And then you got this alien dude peeking over Brad's shoulder. That's the one that's easy to miss. The album cover is busy. Then you get to the back and it's even more complicated. So now you might have Sister Christian in the balcony there because that looks like a girl up there on the balcony. You got the Arabian Knight and the Mountain Climber. They've changed poses. Jeff is now looking at the hooker. Some dude is peeking out behind the cactus. Some artist in a red hat appears. The musician's pulling a rabbit out of his hat. Kelly's with the cheerleader. Somebody's in a scuba outfit laying on the floor of the football player. Jack is giving something to an astronaut. The Brad suddenly with a French-made hooker type chick. Fritz is in the middle of nowhere. And four of the five members are still facing the camera. But Jeff is so enamored of the hooker, he's not facing the camera. And the guy with the sword is now fighting an armored knight. It's kind of a little bit all over the place. I think I like it because of that. So that, I guess, would I would say that encompasses madness. So that's yeah, midnight guess. madness. I guess. Crazy. I don't know. I guess. Yeah. But I like it. I like it. There's a lot to look at. So I like it. <laughs> 
David Hudson, what's your thoughts on the album cover? He hates it. The attire on the front is suspect. <laughs> um, it's 84. It's 83. I know, technically. I know, but like it doesn't age well. <laughs> Nothing from 83 aged well. Obviously. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It is a lot going on, like you said, in the background. I, I agree with uh, Stephen here that it's probably just simulating chaos and you got the madness. Let me see that back cover, Pooney. Yeah, I haven't seen that in a while. Okay, interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. So there's a great story uh, that's out there with them talking about the proof of this album cover. They had a mock-up of the album cover that the artist did for this before the album was released. And they had some party over at the studio and they had a bunch of people at this party and the single copy of the mock-up, some girl took the picture and took it and went home. And they, they needed that for like, they were not supposed to lose that. They had to call uh, somebody who knew somebody who knew the girl and got them to bring the picture back because they needed that picture. Pretty funny story. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting album cover, I would say. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on with Fitz. The only thing that I see every time I see this picture with Fitz is, is I think uh, the keyboard player in Prince's band, right? Yeah. That doctor guy. That's the first thing that comes to mind when I see that. Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network. All right, so let's get to the songs. So before we get to the songs, just real quick, uh, Stephen had mentioned the album got to number 15. That day, the number one album in the U.S. was the Footloose soundtrack. It was on its 10th week in a row at number one. Okay, so Footloose was up there for a while in 1983, no doubt. So the first song on the album we got, You Can Still Rock in America. And David, so the story goes, Night Ranger's on tour with Sammy Hagar. They're opening for Sammy. Jack's on a day off, buys a bunch of music magazines. And for some reason, every music magazine has a story about how rock is dead. Because Thompson Twins and Cure is going to take over. And Jack is like, that can't be right. We see thousands of people every night. So as they say, he wrote a song about it, and it becomes an anthem. What did you think about You Can Still Rock in America? All right. So like I've told you guys in the past, I hate any song that talks about we're going to rock. We're going to save rock. We're going to get on the streets and fight for rock. It's the equivalent of a rapper talking about how great of a rapper he is. I'm off. As soon as I hear that, I'm done. It doesn't matter if it's the Beatles. We're doing it. I'm done, which I'm not a big fan of the Beatles. Sonny and I got that in common. Um, <laughs> but uh, this was so off-putting with the lyrics. But I will tell you this. There's no doubt these guys are good musicians. There's no doubt the singing's great and the harmonies are great. Cannot take that away from them. And I have on here, if the lyrics were changed, this would actually be a much better song. But um, I do like the fact that the guitars are doubled in the intro. The keyboard is probably going to be an issue, a running issue for all three of us throughout. It's too high in the mix. Uh, I do have here that it's, you know, referencing someone saying that rock is dead. And Jack Blade starts telling a story about people that go to rock shows and, and things like that. But um, the pre-chorus where it goes rocking, rocking is so cheesy. I do like that the tempo slows down for the solo. And I like the melody of the guitar solo. But the rock in America chant after the solo is just awful. So it had potential if you change the lyrics because the harmonies are great. But yeah, this, is a, this is a stinker right off the bat. It's one of the few songs I've heard, though. I hear it on the radio all the time. So, Stephen, I absolutely love this song because what a song to introduce the second album, especially since Don't Tell Me You Love Me introduced the first album, because this song absolutely rips. The synth and guitar mix on this whole album, there are times when Fitz is loud. 
And it's interesting to hear stories about Jack saying, well, he's upset that the Thompson twins and the cure is taking over, but then his own band has sent us too goddamn loud. Right. But when Jeff and Brad are allowed to rock, they absolutely rip it up. I love this song. What say you? Well, first of all, I say David Hudson's lab coat nice is, uh, his way. His, his lab coat's just a little too tight. We need to loosen that up. Lighten up, Hudson. It's rock and roll. <laughs> it's supposed to be a little bit cheesy. Coming off that first record that was rocking in every way, shape, or form, even the popular tunes were rocking. I love that this was the first single off the new album, and I was all in. I absolutely love it. From the whammy bar intro to the riff, I do agree that Fitz's keyboards are a little too high in the mix, but it doesn't bother me on this particular song. The solo is freaking awesome, uh, and this is the first time that we sort of see and hear Jeff Watson doing this eight-finger tap technique that he would become famous for at some point. So he's innovating uh, with this new song, and the solo is killer. A great way to kick off the album. Love it. So let me ask you this, because you guys basically took something out of my notes, so I didn't say it in my review. You had bands like New Order, and obviously they came from Joy Division. And then like uh, Sonny said, The Cure was about to make a stylistic change from a post-punk band to a more keyboard-heavy band. And you did have stuff like the, the Thompson Twins and, and things like that. And Rush was about to make a huge stylistic change around this time with the keyboards. I don't mind keyboards, but I like them set in a certain mix to like basically kind of lift the tone, like basically give a, a little bit of a layer to the sound. And I feel like they just got drunk in the studio with this. We got this new technology. These new kids are getting all this airplay and they went overboard with it, completely overboard with it. And it also the tone of the keyboards is so dated. I mean, if I didn't even know who they were and you played this, I go, that's 82, 85 right off the bat. It seems to me they were trying too hard to try to catch up with the times when their audience probably wasn't a big fan of a lot of that. Well, so, and we'll get into this with each song. I don't want to get too far away from it. But one thing I would tell you, David, is is I see a little bit different spin. And the spin goes like this. On the first album, they were a little bit more guitar heavy. But what you're not aware of, because you're not an Uber fan, and we talked about it a little bit on the last album review, is that the name in the band originally was Fitz the Keyboard Player. 
he was one of the original guys, but he's the one that had the name. So my suspicion is that on this second album, he said, hey, guys, I'm the guy with the name. Can we bring me a little bit more into the mix? Can we make me a little bit more prominent in the music that we're writing? And maybe that's one of the things that transpired on this second record, because if you listen to the first and the second record back to back, you'll notice a definite change in keyboard sounds and mix. And it may be because of something like that. I'm speculating. I don't know. But that's uh, that's my speculation. I mean, that makes a whole lot more sense to me now. I mean, yeah, you got the guy that's the guy that's driving the train. You got to make him happy. Yeah. I would also speculate that when you hear about the band Night Ranger today, you assume that the rocker guys from the 80s all loved Night Ranger. And that actually is not what they were going after. It's the ladies loved them and radio loved them. The guys came later. So I think the thought process was we're going to put songs up that we can sell to movies or put on the radio. It is up to brad and jeff to get the guys if they get the guys because of the guitar playing great if we don't get them we got their girls anyway we don't care right so the hardcore rocker motorhead dudes were never into this anyway so it didn't matter makes sense all right second track rumors in the air uh david to me there's earworms all over this album if you listen for them and the earworm here is in the pre-chorus, when there's a rumor in the air, don't seem right, there's one synth chord that's like increasing volume into the chorus. You don't even really realize it's there, but now that I've told you and listen to the song again, you'll go, hey, that's an important part of the chorus actually kind of moving along. And those are the kinds of things that Brad and Jack and Kelly writing songs, they knew kind of how to master something that would work on radio. And uh, I love this song. What say you, David? So do you guys remember that movie that came out in the late 80s, I think, called Ishtar? I've heard of it, but I never saw it. it was, Dustin it, Hoffman. It was built up to be like one of the greatest movies of all time, and it was horrible. Yeah, it was a huge flop. I have this song is Ishtar Bad. Oh, wow. I go, they have fallen in love with the keyboards and the synthesizer. Like, and I said, this wasn't a problem exclusive to them. Again, the harmonies are great, but the lyrics and the, and the style of singing I'm not a big fan of the keyboards after the course sound like a bad version of mid eighties rush. The guitar solo is very generic and uninventive. The verses after the solo with the keyboard is just bad eighties. I'm peeing in everybody's Cheerios. I know good stuff's coming up then. That's okay. That's okay. And Steven, I think we can honestly say we never said night Ranger was like uh, creating music for the ages that would live forever. That would never be dated. And it was so unique. Nobody else had ever done it. I think it's written to be basically fun music, right, Stephen? The thoughts of David Hudson do not <laughs> reflect those of the Grown Up Rock podcast. <laughs> I, I don't know. I got to put a disclaimer at the beginning of this episode now, thanks to David Hudson. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I don't even remember the question you asked me, but look, when I heard this song for the first time, so I go out, I get the record. I'm a fan of the last record. I like to rock. I'm not a fan of ballads, even at that time. I'm not a fan of keyboards, even at that time in my life. So I get to go through Rock in America. I'm like, yes, we're off to a great start. And I get to rumors in the air. Just to honesty, I did not love this song at the time because I was like, man, what's with all the keyboards? Where are the guitars at? What happened to the, my guitars? Where are Brad and, and Jeff? I love this song now. 
but at the time it was way too keyboard heavy for me. One of the things that I think you're talking about, Sonny, I think we're talking about the same thing with regards to the earworm things is that I love this little keyboard escalation thing that happens right before the course. The that's what you're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. That's super badass. I love that. And I love it because if you listen closely, the guitar is also playing that line. So the keyboard is playing the line and the guitar is playing that line. It's badass. So, uh, yeah, I really love that part. Uh, And overall, I like rumors in there these days, uh, but I did not love it at the time. Next, we get Why Does Love Have to Change? And David, this song is definitely heavier, but to me, I don't ever really skip this song, but I never really go out and kind of go after this song either because it's a little bit meh to me uh, because you don't really get a guitar solo. You get this like 30-second musical interlude, and the chorus is just kind of meh, and I'm assuming you absolutely love it because it's probably Springsteen-esque. I like this song. Um, (laughs) all right to me the very first few chords do have a little bit of a hint of ain't talking about love 100 percent. it has some of the same features of the first two songs but it doesn't bother me as much i will say this through the first three songs we're kind of keeping with the same beat and tempo pretty much but i have on here the song has a lot of potential i think this is the best course yet it's not the best on the album but it's the best one yet this is one that if I were like making a list and somebody's like, you got to include three or four Night Ranger songs, this would probably be on there. Uh, again, the vocal harmonies and the singing are, I mean, top shelf. There's no, there's no doubt about that. Uh, it's just, um, it's the lyrics and, and, and some of the keyboards that are off putting on this album, but I like this song. Get 
uh, Stephen Killer guitar intro, and I could hear like Tommy Shaw singing this song, right? Because it felt very sticks to me. Uh, I never really listened to it with that in regards. I think Hudson nailed it with the ain't talking about love intro. Uh, I think it's definitely, they just sped it up and, uh, it's definitely very reminiscent of ain't talking about love. When I first saw this on here, I was like, okay, cause you know, obviously I haven't listened to midnight madness from start to finish until I started prepping for this episode. And then I go and I listen to the album in full you know, multiple, multiple times over the course of a month or so. And so I saw this come up on the playlist and I was like, what the hell tune is that? Why does love have to change? I did not know what this song was. I literally could not remember this song. Then when the riff starts, I'm like, okay, yeah, I remember this song now. I'm with you, Sonny, on this. This song for me is meh. It just, I don't know. After the first two songs, this song lacks melody and... I just, I thought it was okay at best. Next, we have Sister Christian. So it got to number five at the top of the Hot 100. What it couldn't beat that day on June 9th, 1984. Number four, The Reflex by Duran Squared. Duran, Duran, get it. Number three, Oh Sherry by Mr. Perry. Number two, Let's Hear It for the Boy by Denise Williams. Of course, that's on the Footloose soundtrack. And number one, Time After Time by Cindy Lauper. That's what it couldn't get past. All good songs. All good songs. I like all four of those songs. And Oh Sherry and Sister Christian are very similar. I would say the timing for this song was perfect for a band like this. And David, whether people call it bubblegum pop or hair metal or whatever they want to call it, this is one of the best ballads, absolute masterpieces of the 80s. And it is going to last absolutely forever. David, what do you think? Is there a way somehow with StreamYard you're able to read what I have in my notes? Oh, <laughs> this is literally my first sentence. This is a masterclass of writing pop rock music. The pianos are such a welcome addition to this because it's not the keyboards. To me, I get a lot more feeling from piano than I do keyboard because you can play with more feel than you can with the keyboard. The slow build up to the chorus, and then you get this thunderous explosion of one of the best songs of the 80s. Kelly Kiki's vocals are a welcome addition. And it was a long time before I realized really what the song was about. It's, I mean, it's, it's kind of a sweet story about his sister who's 10 years younger and he realized, Hey, she's coming of age. And we all had that time in life where we're just riding around with our friends and all the stuff, you know, that goes with that. The song to me does not sound dated. It sounds to me like it could have been recorded today. The production is great. The vocals are great. Honestly, this is probably a top 10 80s track for me. Absolutely love it. I'm always crank it. And like, you know, it's not a ballad in the sense that you're talking about loving somebody, but it's a ballad in the sense that it's slow. It's, it has some tender lyrics and clearly he loves his sister. You guys know who Jimmy Jameson is, right? Well, that's Todd Poole's father-in-law. Todd invited me to the St. Jude charity event and they had like guys from Loverboy and Nelson, all these guys that Jimmy knew and Kelly Kiki was there and I got to see him play that song with some of the local Memphis musicians and actually got to meet him and talk to him afterwards. I did not know that he wasn't the lead singer of Night Ranger. And here you got this drummer. And for somebody that's not the lead singer, his vocals, I think, are really good. Man, I have zero negativity toward this song. Absolute home run, grand slam, whatever you can put on it. Never changing the channel.
song like Sister Christian mean? Well, it's about a, about a nun. It's about an asexual nun. No, if you want to know the truth, um, it was written, Kelly wrote the song, and it was first called Sister Chris. Uh-huh. Kelly's sister's named Chris. Uh-huh. The song was, Sister Christian, Chris, you know the time. And we all thought all the time he was singing the song in rehearsals that he was really singing Sister Christian. Hmm. And then when he told us it was Sister Chris, that sounded flat compared to what we yeah. thought was Sister Christian. We hmm. thought, Sister Christian sounds great. There's no religious connotation or anything in the song. Hmm. But that's the, you know, that's what that, and that's how that song. It was all a mistake. And Stephen, we know music history is riddled with simple stories that create masterpieces. And, you know, Jack had turned to Kelly during the demo stages. And Kelly was singing Sister Christy. And Jack is like, are you saying Sister Christian? Like, what are you saying right now? And it just stuck. And history has this that I don't know if I could ever hear this song as Sister Christy, to be honest with you. I think it has to be Sister Christian. So when the video came and then there was the, you know, the little bit of the religious background there, I was like, oh, you know what? That's actually a pretty good idea. So, Stephen, your thoughts? I know you hate ballads, but this, this one's hard to hate. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of, of ballads, and uh, I don't know if Kelly Keegi's not the lead singer. He's one of the lead singers. I mean, Night Ranger's always been him and see. I, I didn't know that. So. Jack, yeah, 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 him and Jack. It's always been him and Jack. And you know, Kelly is probably one of the better singing drummers out there. I mean, there's not a ton of them, and he's definitely one that sticks out. Look, it's an iconic song. I'll I'll leave it at that. That being said, I don't know if if I ever need to hear Sister Christian again. It's just burned out fatigue for me, but I don't have anything bad really to say about this song. I can, however, never see this, listen to this song again without seeing that damn scene in Boogie Nights. So that that scene in Boogie Nights has basically ruined this song for me forever because I just, I literally can't hear this song anymore without seeing that stupid scene. It's surprising to me that side one literally is four songs and this ends side one. It's just so like a super short, but yeah, it's, it's an iconic song. I'll leave it at that. Like what you're hearing, share this episode out, post it to your favorite social network and let people know you're listening to the Grown up rock podcast. It will help us grow and we greatly appreciate it. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. All right, flip the LP over, and the first song we get is Touch of Madness. And uh, David has got a little bit of madness because that first 12 seconds is like a horror movie music intro, but then it goes to this like bouncy type song. But then the verses are a little bit darker, probably a little more metal. But I absolutely love the vocal melody of the pre-chorus into like that simple chorus. So it works for me, but it's a little bit all over the place. David, how did you like Touch Madness? Again, your uh, spotty vision is is reaching over into my notes. <laughs> First line starts with this twisted, spooky children's lullaby like music. <laughs> and then I think we get a cool guitar intro and the keyboards are set ever so softly in the background, which I like. And then I have on here, this is probably the best riff and rock song on the album. You know, it's about the typical looking for the crazy woman a little bit. And I know when she's going to bring you pain and heartache, but uh, it's going to be worth it in the end. And then the chorus has amazing vocals. I have this is a great song. And to me, it's the probably the least dated sounding song on the album. And uh, I, I don't have any problem with it. But see, I told you I like some of the songs. Well, that's good. That's good. And Stephen, my problem with this, I love the song. Okay. Always have. The last 30 seconds of all the madness shit going on. And then you get this like fade out and then it fades back in. I hate that stupid shit. They're on a lot of 80s albums. I just don't like that shit because it's. It's not necessary, but I guess the album's already only 38 minutes long. So what are you going to have, a 25-minute album? But uh, besides that, I love the song. What say you? There's nothing wrong with this song. I love everything about this song. Listen to no. the end again. No, I love it. I love it. Brad's going off on the whammy bar. It's killer, man. And there weren't a whole lot of bands that faded out and faded back into a song at that particular time. I don't remember a whole bunch, but 
I dug this song from start to finish, man. There's nothing about this song that I dislike. It, it's a perfect uh, kickoff song to side two. It really kicks you off. It gets you rocking. And I love the pre-course into the course. And it's just uh, it's a killer rock tune, man. I dig Touch of Madness. Next, we have It's Just a Passion Play. You know, you got to whisper it because he whispers it in the song. David, this is what I'm talking about. This, to me, is movie soundtrack, Night Ranger, right? Because they wrote some movie soundtracks later, and this is what this is. What say you? Am I reading your notes again? Number six, Passion Play. The song starts with keyboards and guitars only, followed by the drums coming in slowly. This sounds like a part of an 80s movie where either the bully that's been picked on is working out to get his strength, or we watch the cool guy playing in the sports teams and the girl watching. I'm starting to wonder if you don't have some like spotty vision or something. <laughs> this is like perfect song made for like can't buy me love or uh, which isn't in the, is in the nineties, but those type of um, like karate kid, the scene where they're at the water park or when he's training, you know, with, for the big fight, as you guys like to say, this is just meh to me. I don't have a bad opinion. I don't have a great opinion of it. I think it was something they go, maybe we get this on a movie soundtrack. Make some money.
Steven, I read somewhere the other day that the person felt like this song was very Blue Oyster Cult. And all I could think of was, this song is better than every Blue Oyster Cult song I've ever heard. <laughs> so, I don't know. I like the song. What do you think? Uh, I never thought about the movie soundtrack thing for this song. But now that you put it in that context, I agree with you. And you know what, Pony? I like movie soundtrack Night Ranger, so I dig this one. I think it's catchy. I think, uh, you know, it's simplistic. It's one of those things. Night Ranger is good about having some really simplistic courses, but they're catchy. For some reason, they stick in your mind. Uh, so oftentimes, I find myself saying, passion, play, you know, it's one of those things that sticks in your mind. And so, yeah, I like this tune. Was this ever on a movie? No, no, I've never heard it on a movie, but John Hughes missed out on one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He didn't miss out on much, but he missed out on this one. All right. So next we have When You Close Your Eyes. So I'm I'm listening to the song the other day for, I don't know, the 10,000th time. And as I'm listening, I'm like, wait a second, who's doing the who's doing this review with us? Right. So I look it up and I realize it was Huddy and I'm like, oh, no. He's going to absolutely hate the lyrics on these songs because <laughs> the back of the Chevrolet and you can rock in America. And when you close your eyes, you dream about me. I'm like, oh, my God, Eddie Huddy is going to absolutely rip us. <laughs> and I think I was right. David, what do you think of this song? All right. The intro is one of the worst things I've ever heard in my life. So we had this adult contemporary station in Memphis. And I, this is what I can hear see. Coming up on the river, 104.1 FM, your adult contemporary music station in Memphis. We have the new Night Ranger song, but first, Michael Bolton. Um, <laughs> but but here we go, though. It, that opening solo is everything I hate about 80s music. I like a lot of 80s music, but the, the opening of it. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to surprise you, Sonny. The melodies on this are great. The singing on this is great. And I love the melody when it kicks in and goes, you know, what we found love in the back of a Chevrolet. Because you love Kelly, and that's Kelly. Well, I, I'm saying, like, that is very catchy. Yeah. That's extremely catchy. I'm going to back off the lyrics a little bit. Obviously, that's the thing the, those lyrics were very big in the eighties and, and part of the nineties. And you can't, you know, you can't back away from that. I don't hate the song like you thought I would. I think the chorus is good and the melodies are what sell this. And I, but here's the thing. I don't know if that's technically a pre-chorus where he's like, you know, we fell in love with the back, found love in the back of the Chevrolet. If all of the verses carried that melody and that tone of singing, it would make the song so much better. But once you get past that few minutes of it, that 15, 20 seconds of an intro, it definitely goes up. I don't hate it at all. Um, and I think it has a lot of potential.
for instance, a song like When You Close Your Eyes on, on our new album, Midnight Madness album. Um, I had the verses. I started with the verses. And the verses were very strong and powerful and everything. But I said to Fitz, Fitz, you know, I've got these words and, you know, when you close your eyes and all this stuff, but I don't have a good chorus. And so Fitz, you know, sat in his room and he came up with the chorus line. Hmm. So that's how when we write together, we all kind of pitch in in that respect. Somebody gets hung up on one spot, the other guys will help him out. And that's, you know, how we co-write all these two. I think, Stephen, what we're finding out is he likes Kelly's voice hits his ear a little bit differently than Jack's voice does. So in this song, Jack is doing the verse. I would call that a pre-chorus of what Kelly's doing because then the next thing is the chorus, right? Yeah. So they play off each other pretty well. Stephen, this song got to number 14, number one that day on September 29th, 1984, was Let's Go Crazy by Prince, by the way. So... This song is very journey, Stephen. I'm assuming you love this song. Yeah, I do. It's a it's a great song. Uh, it's a mainstay in their sets to this day. Yeah, it is a pre-chorus. I love the pre-chorus and the chorus on this song. Uh, they both uh, play off each other, and uh, they're fantastic. So yeah, it's a great song. Next, we got chipping away, David. I think at the beginning that's supposed to be like an anvil and a hammer sound. I think that's what that's supposed to be. You get a little bit longer of a guitar solo on this song. This chorus to me is catchy as hell. Dude, that chipping away in my heart every day. Got me, I mean, I, that I, I could be humming that for days and not realize it. That's that's how it kind of hooks you. David, what would you think about chipping away? Well, this is just, you know, it's classic rock. It's 70s tinged, you know, and just hearing chipping away, it makes me think about the Aerosmith song, Chip Away the Stone, you know, which I really like that song. But I think it's it's kind of almost like a paint by numbers song. But it's good. It's good paint by numbers. And it's a it's another more rocking song on the album. And I think if you notice the keyboards, as we get deeper into the album, for the most part, are getting a little bit lower in the mix, at least from what I can remember. It's not a bad song. I don't have anything negative to say about it. I think there are better ones on here. But, yeah, the chorus is catchy. Yeah. Stephen, I've always loved this song because songs about how you have to kind of chip away at somebody to get them. Like that's me and Nicole to a T and we've lasted 30 years now, but God damn that first eight, nine months was a pain in the fucking ass. Cause I had to apologize for shit. I didn't do and kind of just kind of try to almost fit this square peg into a round hole. Cause we were two completely different people. But, uh, in the end I figured she figured I was better than a cut rate Romeo too. Get it. I've known you for many years, Pooney. I'm positive whatever the fuck you had to apologize for, your ass did it. So don't try that shit with me, bro. All right. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Chipping Away is a funny song because it's not a song that we talk about. It's not a song that comes to mind when we talk about Night Ranger almost never. And we've talked about Night Ranger all the time on this podcast before even this album series. But I agree with you. It's super catchy. I dig this song, uh, and it's uh, you know it's not a song that's been on any of my playlists. But when I came to this song in the album, I remembered it instantaneously, and I was like, "Oh shit, I forgot how much I actually like this song." So yeah, great song.
And then the last song we got is Let Him Run. And David, to me, I've always liked the song. So let me start with that. And this is going to sound bad. But the other eight songs feel like relationships, sex, partying, not probably drugs, but rock and roll. It's normal stuff. And then you get to this song that's almost a little too smart for the album. Like it's a totally different the way it's written. It works. It's weird to close the album with it, but I like it. What'd you think? I couldn't agree with you more. It's probably my third favorite song on the album. I think from a songwriter standpoint, this and Sister Christian are, are the ones that really stick out. And I'll tell you this. I, I thought kind of the same thing that you did was these guys are capable of writing deep lyrics. And this isn't your typical slow song. It's not your typical song to close out an album, especially at this time. And it's kind of unheard of just to have nine songs on an album. But the songwriting on this is great. The thing I would change about it, if I could redo it, I would either eliminate kind of the strings or the the keyboard in the back and make this strictly an acoustic picking song and, and maybe have the finger picking and then somebody strumming along. I love the story that it tells. I mean, we've all growing up seeing somebody, why is she with that guy? You know, he treats her, he treats her like crap, but she keeps coming back for more. Man, let him go, you know? And uh, I, I completely agree with you. It's an odd closer, but at the same time, it's a really, really good song. Probably the best songwriting along with Sister Christian on the album. It does prove they can write good lyrics. We still say that about Pooney and Nicole. Why is she yeah, with nice, him? We don't nice. understand. <laughs> 30 years. I got something, buddy. <laughs> he, he definitely outkicked his coverage. Yeah, that's absolute. <laughs> Stephen, it's interesting that David said, you know, cut the strings back, maybe acoustic guitar. I was actually thinking, cut all of it down, piano ballad only. And this thing does really well on the radio as a piano ballad. Uh, But, you know, the strings and all the synth and it's just, there's a lot going on in your ears that kind of take away from the melody. Stephen, what'd you think of the song? Uh, yeah, I don't think you're 100% wrong with that. However, I will tell you that one of the things that attracts me to this song the most is that beautiful 12-string. That 12-string acoustic guitar sounds so good uh, on this song. And, you know, it's interesting because if the credits are right, this song is the only Jeff Watson co-write on the entire album. 
And that's interesting to me. I'm assuming that that's him on that 12 string, which is why he gets the co-write. Maybe that's his riff that created that song. I don't know. It's not a bad song. If it was a slower tune, I'd be bummed out, but it's really not a slow song. Uh, It kind of moves along. And uh, again, I'm just, I'm a sucker for that 12 string. It sounds really good. Uh, Yeah, it's okay song. I don't hate it. It could also be like a sitting around a campfire strumming a guitar song and singing like some gang vocals with it. All right. So I want to get everybody's final thoughts. Top two, bottom two. I will start. Final thoughts for me. Yes. Desert Island album for me. I loved it from the minute I heard it. Probably didn't have much of a choice because I grew up in Night Ranger country to begin with. But some of these songs make my playlists consistently, right? And and I'm talking about the stuff that nobody talks about, like Chipping Away, right? And Touch of Madness. Those are the songs you can hear all the other ones are rock radio. I don't I don't need to put you can still rock in America on a playlist. I can hear it whenever I want. All I gotta do is turn on the radio, right? Top two for me. Uh, we're easy. You can still rock in America. Rumors in the air. It's a beautiful one-two punch on the record. I've always thought that. I've always liked it that way. But I got into it from the start, and that's the music I like. My bottom two are going to be probably exactly opposite of David's, just like the top two were, which is why does love have to change? Because it's a little bit boring, but I don't skip it. And let them run because I just think that the the strings are just too much. And I just wish they would have backed that off a little bit. It's not two songs I skip on a Desert Island album, but you had to pick the bottom two. So I did. David, we'll go to you next. So if I was seven or eight, nine, maybe years younger than you guys, if I were like in high school at the time, man, this would have been, it would have been my jam. I would have been all over it. And I completely understand why people that grew up then like it. It's just kind of hard for me going back in time, something I'm not familiar with. And just, it's so dated at times. I will tell you this, there's there's no doubt these guys are great musicians. They're great singers. They've got the ability to write um, great melodies and, and like with the last song, that they can write some some deep, meaningful lyrics. So first of all, I really enjoyed listening to it. I probably listened to it 20 times and uh, I, I enjoyed getting to know it. Uh, my bottom two are You Can Still Rock in America and Rumors in the Air. And my top two are for sure Sister Christian and uh, I am... Why does love have to change? Or my top two. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I wasn't doing that to be a, the pain in the butt. But no, I, I really, I really did enjoy getting to know this. And uh, if you guys ever want to do something else I'm not familiar with, uh, I'll be glad to do it. But this, I, I did find a couple of songs I wasn't aware of that I liked. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to have to put that in my, my biking, one of my biking playlists. Stephen, how about you? Final thoughts, top two, bottom two? So my final thoughts are coming off the first record and having it rock as hard as it was. The second record was a bit of a drop off for me personally. Um, I felt like they made the keyboards a little bit more out front, which disappointed me. So I wasn't quite happy with the guitar to keyboard ratio. That being said, there's several songs on it that I love. Uh, so make no mistake about it. I still love Midnight Madness as a whole record. I still enjoy it. What David Hudson said earlier, that he was seven or eight years behind us, which is why he doesn't love something like this as much as we love it, further proves that if you grew up in the 90s, you like shit music compared to what we grew up with in the 80s. So that that further <laughs> doesn't end on, on that, which is fine, Dave. It's, it's all right. We, we get it. We got you. Uh, we still love you. It's all good. But no, seriously, I kid. I kid. 
seriously, my favorite uh, two tracks, my top two tracks are Rockin' America and Touch of Madness. I love Touch of Madness, man. That's such a great song. Good song. My bottom two are, and this is this is rare, my bottom two are Why Does Love Have to Change and Let Him Run. The bottom two for Pooney are the same as my bottom two, and that doesn't happen often, uh, but it is on this particular album, I agree. And out of those two, I really, I don't hate Let Him Run. Probably out of those two, I actually like Let Him Run a little bit more than um, Why Does Love Have to Change. I don't know. There was just something that really turned me off about that song when I started listening to this record back back to back uh and i don't know if it's the van halen riff at the beginning or i don't know there's just something that puts me off about that tune so yeah that's it all right let me ask you guys a question since i'm actually now like i'm gonna go see them because they tour all the time and still great live by the way that's what i was gonna say when you see them live now are the keyboards and the synth toned down a little bit they're a much heavier band live, though. The guitars are out front. Carrie and, and Brad put the band on their, their backs, and, and they're much much heavier live than they are on album, and they still sound fantastic. And they're still all live. There's not a bunch of bullshit going on. And they do some Damn Yankee songs. Okay. Because nobody's doing them. I love that first Damn Yankees album. Yeah. All right, so connecting it to Kiss. Hey, Hollywood. You know what time it is. Let's connect it to KISS. You wanted the best and you got the best! The hottest band in the world, KISS! It's October 83, so KISS is about to start the Lick It Up tour in Portugal. Unfortunately, they didn't get a new guitarist, so they are still stuck with Vinny. But thanks to the unmasking about a month earlier on MTV, they're about to embark on their comeback and start their 80s, what some would call, fast KISS run. Opening acts on this tour, on the Lick It Up tour, were Accept, Axe, Great White, Heaven, Heavy Petten, Helix, High Fever, Pat Travers Band, Riot, Tigres de Oro, and Vandenberg. The set list had some newer songs like Exciter, War Machine, Gimme More, Creatures of the Night, Young and Wasted, but they also blended in some classic songs. They blended in six, Detroit Rock City, Cold Gin, Love Gun, Black Diamond, Rock and Roll Night, and the one we're going to spin for you now. So here it is off the original Alive recording. Here is Paul, Gene, Ace, and Peter with Firehouse. Oh, 
classic. I love it. At the firehouse. I like that it's faster. David, do you like it slower on Hotter Than Hell, or you like it faster on Alive? You know, I'm not a big Kiss fan, but I do like this song. I do like it sped up a little bit. I do like it when they, I believe when they play like Cold Gin, they speed that up a yep. little bit. They kind of have mm-hmm. somewhat of the same tempo. Uh, no, if you made me say, hey, give me your top 10 Kiss songs, this one's going to be in it for sure. That's cool. Let me ask you a quick question, Sonny. And I'm about to decrease your listenership when I ask this, but it's an honest question. Why are so many people in love with Vinnie Vincent's guitar playing? Oh, that's not going to ruin our listenership. None of those people are listening. People are enamored with Kiss in general. I think people like the underdog, right? Like if if Nicole heard all these stories, she'd be pulling for Vinny, right? That's just people like that. I think people liked the melodies and the songs that were written in the Vinnie Vincent invasion. And he was a shredder. They forget he was not a great shredder. So when you put his guitar playing up against Paul Gilbert, Right. And guys like that, Steve Vise, the Zoch- Joe Satriani's, the Ingve Momsteins, he doesn't hold a candle to those guys. Come on. Those guys are playing notes that make sense. Right. He was, he was just playing basically, blah. but the songs were written so well that people forget about that really. And that, if you think about it, it's 15 seconds in a four minute song, but they love deeper and deeper. So they don't mind the 15 seconds of stupid you get. And I think that's what it is. Do, do you think there's so much mythology and folklore around him, too? This guy just disappeared and he's burned every bridge. Because that's the slaughter song, Burning Bridges, about him. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I think that's part of it, too. And anybody who was mysterious, right? Does Do the Bowies of the world or the princes of the world that were kind of off the beaten path, didn't really talk to a lot of people. So people didn't really know a lot about them. I think they were people liked them more and they were more mysterious So you kind of start just kind of making up stuff about it, right? And then, of course, Vinny's fighting the big machine by suing Kiss. So then you get the guys that are not only love the underdog, but they hate the man. And Kiss has become the man, right? So you just kind of get these folks that end up falling in love with the story more than really the guitar playing. Uh, Steven, you saw that guitar playing live. There was nothing to love, right? Mm -mm. No, not for me. Not for me, it wasn't. I mean, I didn't leave that. I didn't leave that concert going. Wow, he's really good. You saw them when he was in the band, right? I saw him when he was in Kiss, and I saw the Vinnie Vincent Invasion, like the well, the Mark Mark Slaughter led Vinnie Vincent Invasion. And neither time did I walk out of those concerts. Like I liked the Vinnie Vincent Invasion musically. I liked that uh, those first couple of records, and I loved Lick It Up. Look It Up was fantastic. But yeah, at no point did I think he was badass on stage or an incredible shredder. Not for me. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Look at all the people here tonight. Oh, man. I got to make an announcement right here. Can you hear me out there? It's time to take a quick break in the action from this week's episode. Sonny and I just wanted to thank all of you, the listeners, for joining us each and every week. Whether you just found us today or have been listening for multiple episodes, we love your passion for music and rock and roll in general. We consider you all part of our loud minority family. 
always remember you can communicate with us a few different ways. If you don't mind Facebook, head over to the Growing Up Rock Loud Minority Facebook group and be part of the conversation. It's a private group and all you have to do is ask to join, answer a few rock and roll questions, and you're in. If you despise Facebook, which many people do, then send us an email to growinguprock at gmail.com. We get everything there. You can follow us on Twitter and Insta at growinguprock, which is one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K. In the event you feel entertained by our podcast, we would appreciate it if you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode and go leave us a five-star review either at Apple Podcast or Podchaser. Now, back to our regularly scheduled program. All right, so that puts the capper on this month's album review for Night Ranger's Midnight Madness. Next month, we move on to the third studio album, which will be Seven Wishes. David Hudson, thanks for joining us. Thanks for uh, bringing your willingness to explore an album that you weren't familiar with. I appreciate that. Sonny appreciates that as well. Tell us once again, you'll be... uh, You're doing the uh, State of America podcast, but you've also now recently taken over our friend Aaron Martell's R4 podcast as well, which is a full-on album review podcast where that's all you do is album reviews over there at R4. Yeah, so come and give us a listen. If you don't like one week, I think you'll you'll like the next week. There's going to be a a pretty good amount of hard rock and, and heavy metal music. And if you like the Black Crows, give us a listen. If not, no big deal. When we'll uh, see you guys hopefully sooner rather than later. I always enjoy coming on your podcast. Uh, Stephen is the first person ever that knew who I was from podcasting because I was walking down the aisle at the first Rocket Pod and I said something out loud. And Stephen goes, are you David Hudson from the Digital Killer Radio Star podcast? And what was funny was I had just listened on the way over there to one of your first podcasts. I'll tell you how specific my memory was. I was getting on I-40 from I-240 bypass in Memphis when I hit play on it. And I think you had somebody from the Dead Daisies. Was that on one of your first episodes? The third episode. Yeah. 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 So I got a memory yeah. like an elephant. No, I always enjoy talking to you guys. Sonny was uh, one of my first guests on uh, Digital Killed. And uh, you guys are great people. I appreciate what you do. And always grateful that you invite me on. Yeah, you've been uh, on, I think, every album series that we've done since the uh, Van Halen one. And uh you're a longtime uh, friend of the podcast. We always try to catch up wherever we're in the same vicinity, and uh, we appreciate you. Uh, we give you, I give, I specifically give you a lot of shit just because you know it's my way. Sonny's, uh, Sonny's a lot nicer to you than I am. I just give you shit, but I like to kid with you, and uh, you know it's all in fun. So uh, we go back and forth on those texts every so often, and uh, I. I give you grief, but it's all good. Uh, David Hudson, thanks again for coming on this podcast and reviewing Midnight Madness with us. Go check out his podcast, the R4 and the State of America podcasts. Sonny Pooney, do you have anything to add before we get up on out of here tonight? So first of all, thanks, David, for joining. Thanks to the listeners for listening. Every once in a while, I have to do a correction because I will get a text or an email that says I must do a correction. Okay. So let me start this correction by saying Johnny from Restrained 
I love you. And this has nothing to do with you. And I love you because I know you're listening. But Tony from Restrained just texted me <laughs> while we were recording and said, excuse me, Sonny, Restrained has twice as many listeners than what you said on the latest episode. That is rude. So I would like to tell everybody I was incorrect. Restrained does not have 11 or 12 listeners. They have 22 listeners as of today. Fuck you, Tony. Are you fucking happy now? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and uh, that's all we got to say about that. Tony, you know I love you. I stand up for you, boys. Uh, your your friend Pony, he's not so much a stand-up kind of person towards y'all. But anyway, until next week, see ya. Later. That's the show. So let's shuffle, rattle, and roll us out of here. Until next week. Always remember, peace, love, and rock and roll. podcast greatly by leaving us a five-star review at apple podcasts Podchaser, or spotify the links are in the show notes or just drop us a line at our email growinguprock at gmail.com growing up rock is a proud member of the pantheon network pantheon is the place for music lovers check us out along with many other great music podcasts on the pantheon podcast network it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football fantasypoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points fantasypoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play whether you play fantasy football daily fantasy sports or do a little bit of everything fantasy points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory and why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.